Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. the numbers because I, I've heard team Biden say this that listen we went we didn't make these numbers up willy-nilly we went line by line we want the moment to be met at this particular time and that that was the number they came up to meet the need shouldn't they have a good starting point of a number isn't that a good idea go big they say it is a good it is a good idea but let's just take schools uh, they want 135 billion with a B for K through 12 now, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, has said you need about, worst case scenario, $455 per student to reopen schools. Congress has already given over $1,000 per student. Almost, you know, if you all add it up, two and a half times more than the CDC was said was necessary. Now, we put $20 billion in our package, which increases it even further, um, but you have to ask yourself, if we're two to three to four times what the CDC says is needed, why do you need $135 billion? I know, Senator. The president said he would give us their numbers. I know, but we could get bogged down with the numbers. But I think the thing that people keep talking about is the need of the American people who are hurting at this time, who need the money right now. And if we go with the Republican plan, what's not to say that, you know, a couple months from now we'll be right back where we started. So why not start out now where people are in need at this particular time right now? Well, I think, Senator, I think a lot of families would say they're still struggling. Uh, the Democrats have signaled that they can push this bill through uh, with or without Republican votes. Is Do you see room for compromise here? All right, for more on this, I'm joined by Betsy Rosenberg. She is an environmental media host and journalist who's been reporting on climate issues for roughly 20 years. She's also a contributing author to Climate Abandoned. We're on the endangered species list. And Betsy, you make an, a very interesting point, uh, and that is that we, we think of green energy workers maybe as uh, solar panel installers or people like that. But in fact, you mentioned that we're going to need... Uh, climate trained journalists. We're going to need climate trained teachers and, and, and all sorts of things well beyond the energy sector. Exactly. We think of technicians, we think of engineers, and that is a big part of it because we have to change our whole economy and greenify it. Uh, there will be charging stations that need to be built. Perhaps we can retrain the uh, oil rig workers because they're used to being out in the ocean and have them building wind turbines. Perhaps we can take the coal workers and maybe teaching them to code is a stretch, but we can teach them to build the high-speed rails that we need. But beyond that, it's really a matter of expanding our thinking. Um, when I speak to high school and college students, I say, whatever you're interested in, be it law, medicine, uh, being, being an engineer, being a journalist, a writer, just put a green twist on it or a twist of lime, as I say, and you will be in demand because the green jobs have not been out there. Even though we've been talking about them for 15 years uh, till we're blue in the face, they really haven't been. But 
this is a new day. It's all changing and we have to create those jobs. And it's up to the people who are going into the world now, especially to keep this in mind, because it, look, we're here in terms of sustainability in this country and world. We need to go here. And in terms of getting a stable climate back and, and restoring our oceans and habitat and rainforest, you name it, it's an epic challenge. Uh, it's going to take all of us and it's going to take so much work, time, energy, focus. But the fact that we're finally treating it as an emergency and we finally have leadership, it's truly an exciting moment, Ali. It's, um, it's epic. It's like uh, a week of climate climaxing. It was just the hits kept on coming. Almost too much to process, but not complaining. <laughs> that was a different expression that I was going to use. Um, we are four and a quarter percent of the world's population. We're a quarter, uh, 20 percent of the world's uh, fuel consumption. And most of that is associated with driving and transport and trucks in the United States. Sure, we use it for heating and, and, and industrial reasons, but we use a lot of it for, for driving. We have just had an announcement from General Motors that by 2035, you're not going to be able to buy an internal combustion engine vehicle from General Motors. That is huge. That is such a major piece of our consumption. It is epic, and, and GM has an interesting uh, history, kind of stop and go with electric cars. I don't know if you recall, Allie, but back in the early 2000s, they created, they um, leased the first electric vehicle, the EV1, to about 5,000 um, happy environmentalists in California because of a ruling by the California Air Resources Board that there had to be a certain number of zero emission vehicles. Uh, but they, so they could have been out ahead. We were ready to call them green motors by now, but instead, instead they killed the electric car. If anyone saw that film, they weren't the only ones, but it was a big part of it. They rounded them up in uh, 2005, literally during Hurricane Katrina, and they took them off into the dark of night and crushed them uh, in Mesa, Arizona, put one or two in a museum, thinking that was the beginning and end of the electric car, because they really didn't want to invest in the infrastructure. They said there was no demand, but that wasn't true at all. And so they could have been ahead. But the fact is, now they have um, joined the, the green revolution, the eco-evolution, and it's very exciting, because obviously they're the ones who brought us the Hummer as well. And as GM goes, the others will go, and certainly others have have, you know, been making plug-in cars. Uh, Volkswagen has made a big commitment to clean cars as well as Ford um, and, and the European makers especially. But to see a big American automaker make this commitment, and again, they've been spotty. They've been like putting the brakes on, putting the accelerator on. They've been kind of unsure. But as soon as Biden and Harris were elected, they made a big push. And the announcement actually took other automakers by surprise. Betsy, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Betsy Rosenberg is an environmental, uh, environmental and climate journalist. They stand where exactly this funding should be allocated. A bill will help bring power uh, to frontline communities uh, and help bring community members to the table where the decisions are being made. We have the opportunity to address environmental injustice in the face of this pandemic and prevent further public health dangers. Right now is the moment to pass strong environmental justice legislation to protect frontline communities and reverse decades of environmental racism. And welcome back to Flavor Politic Podcast, the 3rd of February, year of our Lord, 2021, and that's a good primer. We got media state run type, we got gushing over Biden, and we have social justice. That's pretty much our show in a nutshell. It's... Uh, I'm not even angry anymore. This is what we expected, and, and this is what we get. But I'm a little stiff today. Been doing a lot of extra activity, and I tweaked my back big time. So when I don't move a lot, there's a reason. My back is thrashed, and it hurts a lot. So 
I'll be popping Percocet to get through this show, for sure. But, you know, to really get to the full level of what we've been talking about the last podcast, pretty much, of we're going to cancel all opposing views, Brian Seltzer, Tater, starts us off. A lot of CNN today, because they're in a full-fledged, let's cancel Fox, let's suck Biden's taint, and everybody who doesn't agree with us is a terrorist. So we got a lot of them going on. Um, but he starts our show in a really epic tater fashion. There is, up in the sky, information pollution. And the polluters are trying to deflect blame. Dishonest cries of censorship are filling Fox's airwaves with charges that these guys right here are being suppressed. The word censorship's been invoked almost 400 times on Fox this month alone and more than 300 times on Newsmax. You know, post-insurrection, a book publisher decided that it did not want to be in business with Senator Josh Hawley. So he's been on a national TV tour claiming he's muzzled. And Tucker Carlson is telling viewers that this network, CNN, is trying to force Fox News off the air, which is patently false. It's as predictable as the sunrise. Democrats win elections, and then Republicans say they are being silenced. But while some cry cancel culture, let me suggest a different way to think about this. A harm reduction model. Most people want clean air and blue skies and accurate news and rational views. And then in that healthy environment that looks beautiful, then we can have great fights about taxes and regulation and healthcare and all the rest. The vast majority of people can agree that disinformation about, let's say, the pandemic is unhealthy. It's harmful. So how can that harm be reduced? Well, big tech platforms say they are removing lies about vaccines and stamping out Stop the Steal BS and QAnon cult content. Now, do these private companies have too much power? Sure. And many people would say, yes, of course they do. But reducing a liar's reach is not the same as censoring freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is different than freedom of reach. And algorithmic reach is part of the problem. Now, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg seems to agree. Here's the headline from Politico. He's pledging to depoliticize Facebook. Zuckerberg says one of the top pieces of feedback that we're hearing from our community is that people don't want politics and fighting to take over their experience on our services. Well, he's, he's several years too late, but, but that is a real issue. And he wants to now try to clean up Facebook. But this is bigger than Facebook. This harm happens all over the place. In the words of a recently fired Fox News editor, news consumers are both overfed and malnourished at the same time, gorging on empty informational calories, indulging their sugar fixes of self-affirming half-truths and even outright lies. It's impossible to make all those lies go away, but they can be reduced. All right? Harm reduction. But instead, we get this over on Newsmax. Look at this. Biden's plan to destroy America. It looks like some crazy comic book movie or something or some action hero movie. That's what we get on Newsmax. Here's what we get on Fox. Tucker Carlson declaring that unity for Dems means locking up their opponents and, quote, you can now be arrested for saying the wrong thing. What? And the government is at war with its own people. What? This apocalyptic stuff is day in, day out on these channels. It is part of a radicalization pipeline that pits neighbors against neighbor and let's fear overpower courage. And it poisons American politics.
To, to borrow the, the pollution metaphor again, the people who live closest to the factory, who ingest most of the pollution, they get the sickest. But everyone is affected by this toxic information world. So most of the criticism of Facebook is not aimed at stopping social media, stamping it out. It's about making the platform actually more social, helping friendships, not ruining them. And most of the criticism of Fox News is not aimed at shutting it down, which will never happen anyway. It's about making Fox better, putting the news back in Fox News. They keep going the other way. If Fox is going to keep transitioning into the 24-7 Tucker channel, then maybe it belongs next to sci-fi on your channel lineup, not MSNBC. These need to be nuanced conversations, not edicts, not orders. This is complicated, but harm reduction is possible. Harm reduction is possible by adding more news and less opinion to the content. Harm reduction is possible by pushing some of the QAnon craziness out of your newsfeed on Facebook. This is not ultimately about freedom of speech. It's about freedom of reach. And with me now is someone who's thought a lot about this, Nick Kristoff. He's the author and New York Times columnist who recently penned a letter to my conservative friends. I had some really important messages in this column, Nick, so thanks for coming on and talking about it. I am delighted. You've been saying a lot lately about Fox, and I'm interested in hearing it. What overall is, is the message that you believe uh, right-wing um, you know, Trump voters are hearing from their media outlets of choice, and how are those messages deceiving them? Well, Brian, I'm speaking to you right now from the family farm I grew up on in yeah. rural Oregon. And, you know, I have a lot of pro-Trump friends here who are glued to Fox. And it's been really sad to see them absorb a message that the coronavirus is nothing serious, that masks don't work, uh, that uh, Trump won re-election, uh, that the big danger is from Antifa rather than the right. And, you know, I, I believe in diversity of opinion as much as anybody. Um, I believe we need a marketplace of ideas, but we all know that there are red lines. We wouldn't let a KKK grand wizard uh, preach racism, uh, divisiveness on a, on, a, on a cable channel. And it seems to me that uh, Fox and OAN and Newsmax have genuinely cost lives uh, with the way they've reported, quote unquote, the pandemic. And, um, you know, I, I think that that red line needs to be uh, drawn in a way that will minimize the kind of damage that I see here and that we've seen mm -hmm. nationwide. It's not about censorship today. On the pandemic, uh, we're at the last day of January. This is the deadliest month of the pandemic in America thus far. Uh, there are some signs that we're trending in the right direction, starting to come down from those awful high levels of hospitalizations. But, but this month, this has been the worst month yet in the pandemic. And yet uh, that story is not frequently told uh, from these uh, pro-Trump right-wing sources. And they are still very much pro-Trump. I know Trump is the former president, but these outlets are still more Trumpy than they are Republican. And I think that's an important distinction. You wrote in your column that you feel like a lot of folks are being deceived by these outlets, that they're being conned. Uh, so you're saying the profit model is part of the problem, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I had friends here who reached out to me because they were concerned after watching Fox that they were going to be locked up in re-education camps for supporting Trump. And, you know, 
at one level, that was ridiculous, but it also pained me. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that led Ashley Babbitt uh, to go and invade the Capitol and get shot. And it's what leads Fox viewers to disdain masks, to avoid vaccination. Um, you know, I think we recognize that if a major network were uh, encouraging people to drink arsenic to improve their complexion, then advertisers would desert that network and, uh, and cable companies wouldn't carry that network. And it feels to me as if uh, some of the extreme right-wing media organizations are doing something very similar. Fox News is definitely the Trump administration in exile now. Stephen Miller all over the channel. They just hired um, Larry Kudlow. They're in talks with Kayleigh McEnany. Your message in your column is that uh, people shouldn't be forced to subsidize Fox News in their basic cable packages. Now, Tucker will say you're trying to destroy the channel. What are you actually arguing? You know, I'm trying to save a, a right-wing opposition, which we need to keep us honest. And, you know, I'm progressive. Uh, I think it's really important that there are uh, sensible right-wing critics who hold my feet to the fire, uh, who will disagree with me. Um, but that doesn't mean that we need extremists who are preaching things that end up killing people. And at the end of the day, it also strikes me as deeply offensive when uh, we all buy products that then support that kind of hatred and disinformation. And when we... Uh... I'm going to hit this from the disinformation that the media puts out. The media, supposed. But this all stems from a new report done by NYU. And unbeknownst to the media, people actually researched. And it was funded by Soros. So a billionaire, and, and they're really good at this. They do this all the time. They do a study... And that study says there is no bias. And then it's over. And then every news source takes it and runs with it. Tucker did a really good segment on it last night. I mean, I already had it in my script. But it's done by NYU. It's total horseshit. Because they use the excuse that Twitter says, we accidentally deleted these accounts. It wasn't on purpose. They weren't really deleted. But if you pay attention to this stuff, it's always conservative accounts muted. It's always conservative accounts that get taken down, suspended, whatever you want to use, the variation, and then all the mistakes are that way. All the mistakes are that way. And, of course, now their big thing is disinformation. It's disinformation. These people are disinformation because they're putting out things we don't agree with. He tried to backtrack after this because um, he put this out and, of course, everybody went crazy and said, hey, First Amendment, what the fuck? Um, and he, he tried to say that it's, it's, it's not the same as getting rid of all conservative voices. Well, yes, it is. The end result that you want is only liberal voices in the sphere of, you only want the liberal point of view. You want the New York Times WAPO with corrections on the bottom when they get it wrong. I mean, if if CNN is so good, um, 44% crash 
in their ratings in the first week. Post-Trump. 44%. People are only tuning in because you had a misinformation about Trump. You only did the negative. You only talked about his tweets. You only talked about that. You never put out the policies. Let's just put it this way. If we want to talk about misinformation, and I'm going to go on a tangent of uh, Cuomo and a whole bunch of stuff that we have right now. I can't find what's in the $1.9 trillion stimulus. That's so important. And I can play sound bites today of the media dogging the GOP and then them saying, oh, look at Biden, he's bipartisan because he talked to the GOP while simultaneously the Senate did a vote just to go on its own. But you can't find what's in it. They won't print it. New York Times won't print it. They just put uh, climate, uh, climate change and uh, social equity. But those things aren't spelled out. So you don't know what's in this bill. And that's been everything with Biden. 43 executive actions. You don't know most of them. Because they don't put out what's in it. They just glaze it under. He's undoing Trump. CNN literally had, why do you think American political hatred is so bad? Join Farik Zakari as he explores the divided states of America. Um, people say media needs a mirror. Well, let's let's look at that, and, and it's a long soundbite, but but I'll put it in here. This is from the last two weeks, and we want to learn misinformation and why America's divided. Here is a fourteen-minute soundbite. Of we need to deprogram the other side. What happens next? What, what, uh, what's the big picture? How, how do we move forward as a country? You know, I think it's going to be really difficult. There are voices, very loud, prominent, influential voices that have spent decades tearing down trust in our institutions, tearing down education, tearing down facts, tearing down the media, etc. And you don't build that back overnight. It, it takes a lot of work, and it's a it's a effort that involves everybody in this country, from our lawmakers to individual voice, voices on social media uh, to influential voices in the media, and most uh, importantly, the conservative media, people like Rush Limbaugh, people on Fox News, the ones who have been tearing things down for decades for their own benefit. In order to get past this, in order to get a shared set of values, everybody has got to agree that the sky is blue, that the sky is not on fire. You can disagree with on policy all you want, but there needs to be a shared set of facts. There needs to be a reality, one reality that we're all living in. Katie Turb, thank you so much for uh, coming by. The story this week was bringing our informational crisis to the forefront, right? It's a national emergency. You have corporations uh, and people that are profiting off of lies and conspiracy theories, whether that's big tech, whether that's Fox News, whether that's the TV providers that beam OAN and Newsmax into homes or Rush Limbaugh. There are a lot of people profiting off of lies and conspiracy theories, and I don't really see how things get better, how we move on as a country until this informational environment is cleaned up.
Oliver, Fox News, uh, the Murdochs, they are still enabling this stuff because they're obsessing over big tech bias, that's what they call it, and trying to ignore the riot. Right. Where are they? We, they need to be held accountable as well. We're talking a lot about people like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, Rupert Murdoch, Lachlan Murdoch. They need to be held accountable for the lies that they have peddled to this country, not only in the past two months about the election either, but in the past you know, several years that have really brought this. Uh it has been a soothing narrative for us to believe that only disaffected people, only those who have some economic anxiety, only those who are too ignorant to know better would support someone like Trump. Uh, I think we needed to believe that, in a sense, that uh, intelligent people, that thinking people, that powerful people would know better. You know, I mentioned in that tweet thread the White Citizens Councils. And what those councils did, was those were uh, the most economically advantaged, most powerful citizens in the South. And they kind of pulled the strings behind the scenes. They worked up lower class um, white Americans. Uh, they stoked that racial divide in order to get their larger agenda. Uh, Nicole, that story you just told is a familiar one. It's, uh, it's absolutely true, the difference between the White Citizens Councils and the Klan. Back in the mm -hmm. days of, of Jim Crow and the, you know, the Klan was lower income, the White Citizens Councils were um, were the, the Josh Hawley's and Ted Cruz's of their day. Um, but so here's the situation, though. We have, um, there are millions of Americans, um, almost all white almost all Republicans, who somehow need to be deprogrammed. They're, it, it, it's as if they, 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 they are members of a cult, the Trumpist cult, uh, and, and who have to be deprogrammed. Do you have any idea how? We just one other thing. Just, yeah. That's relevant. What you're saying right now is relevant because Congressman Brian Mast, mm -hmm. a Republican from Florida who lost his legs, by the way, fighting for democracy abroad, mm -hmm. although I don't know what his... I don't know about his commitment to it here in the United States. He said, did anybody say that? Yes. Yeah, we heard him. Yeah. The he answer just, is yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, you know, anybody out there, I'll, I'll retweet the tweets so that everybody sees the video. But also, just on a more a personal, uh, first-person uh, level, somebody at CNN, one of our colleagues, was out there a week ago at the Capitol, plain closed. A lot of people were having trouble getting cell service, and they saw that this colleague of ours was looking at his phone. And so they all swarmed him. And what they were saying was, what is he saying? Meaning the president, where does he want us to go? What does he want us to mm. do? They were taking direction from the president, looking for direction from the president, and they had gotten it at that rally. And, you know, for the two months prior to that, and they were continuing to look for him and to him. And that is so telling and so telling. Now what you hear is, well, you can't say that everybody who voted for Trump is like the people who went into the Capitol. Response. You can't say that what everybody's like. Everybody who I, voted I just, for Trump is I, like them. And now I just explained to you, if you if if you are on that side, you need to think about the side you're on. I'm never on the side of the Klan. I am never principal people, conservative or liberal. Never on the Klan side. Principal people, conservative or liberal, never on the Nazi side. Principal people who are conservative or liberal, never on the side that treats their, their fellow Americans as less than, that says that your fellow Americans should not exist, that, said your, that says your fellow Americans should be in a concentration camp, or that sides with slavery, or sides with any sort of bigotry. Right, and if they Principal say, I don't agree with those people, I just like Trump's policy. Well, then get out of the crowd with him.
get out of the crowd. I wasn't him. in the crowd. I just voted for Trump. You're in the crowd who voted for Trump. If you voted for Trump, you voted for the person who the Klan supported. You voted for the person who Nazis support. You voted for the person who the alt-right supports. That's the crowd that you are in. You voted for the person who incited a crowd to go into the Capitol and, and potentially take the lives of lawmakers, took the lives of police officers, took the lives of innocent lives who were there on the Capitol that day. You voted on that. I feel at the end of this long day as if I'm staggering out of a shipwreck onto dry land where we were at the beginning of this day. Still nervous about what the previous president would do. Uh, Joe Biden gave a speech of unity and healing and appeal to the best of us. This was a really normal day and it wound up with a briefing by the press secretary, uh, Jen Psaki, which was sort of the first non-weird press briefing in the White House I've seen in four years. Michael Betschloss, the presidential historian, tweeted last night, first non-weird press secretary in four years. I'm wondering <laughs> how long you intend to keep that going. Non-weird. Well, that's quite a description. I, I think I can achieve more than that, Gail, I hope, and non-weird. Um, you know, I, we're going to be briefing. I'm going to be doing the briefing uh, Monday through Friday, five days a week. We'll bring some special guests. We're bringing Dr. Fauci today. We want to introduce the uh, diverse faces and voices and the policy experts who are going to be leading all of these efforts across government. So we'll do that on a number of days. Uh, but, you know, my objective is to help rebuild trust with the public. Truth and transparency is a good start. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Yeah. First appearance of many, we hope. Jen Psaki, thank you. Uh, President Trump would actually call the mainstream media the enemy of the people. You've been on the receiving end of that and fake news whenever he was challenged during a press briefing. Do you think the media will hold President Biden to the same level of scrutiny? I do. Uh, and, you know, President Trump did that not just when we were questioning him. This was his M.O. He said that that he tried to discredit us because it helped him politically. I don't think you're going to see that from Biden. That's not just that's just not his personality. But that doesn't mean uh, so in that sense, things are going to be different in terms of the relationship with the press. But that doesn't mean he's in any way going to get any kind of free pass or, or even, frankly, a honeymoon. He's got some very serious questions that he needs to, to face and, and answer to about his agenda going forward, you know, whether he can actually pull this off. How realistic is it that he's going to get Republicans to come on board? He campaigned on unity and reaching across the aisle, and he's already got Republicans and even some Democrats who have major questions about his plan. So it remains to be seen just how much he's going to compromise and how much he can make good on this campaign promise. But, but I don't think it's going to be as an antagonistic relationship as the one we've seen. What's happening in Washington deserves your attention. It may be as dangerous as the pandemic. My question is, how many red flags do we need? Homeland Security just put out a warning of more possible violence to come from violent anti-government extremists fueled by false narratives that could continue to mobilize to incite or commit violence. Now, this, that's what the GOP has to say about this threat. Why? The only response they've had to the threat is to keep Biden from getting ahead of Homeland Security to head up the attack against this problem. Why? My argument, and it is why I caution Democrats wanting a power sharing deal with McConnell, that that is like insisting on petting a starving snake. The big mouth is gone, but the Retrumplican chorus remains echoing his animus and hungry for more chaos.
Think about it. Not a word about the ton of terrorists who say they acted not just on behalf of Trump, but because Trump told them to act. No comment from the leadership. Why? If they were not hell-bent on taking us all to hell in a handbasket, why would Mitch McConnell go from Trump provoked this and fed that mob lies, remember he said that, and pleading, we need time, let me move this trial, it must get due consideration, the president must have time to prepare. Why would he say that and then immediately go to voting to dismiss the trial before it even starts? He wants the chaos. They want to comfort our attackers. Who does all of these things unless you want chaos? GOP used to stand for grand old part. All right, well, this is how high tensions are and how much lawmakers are still reeling from the attack on the Capitol. Yesterday, Democrat Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted about the GameStop story, saying that Robin Hood's decision to block retail investors from trading was unacceptable. Republican Senator Ted Cruz responded to her tweet, saying he fully agreed with her stance. But Ocasio-Cortez wants nothing to do with him, firing back on Twitter, quote, I'm happy to work with Republicans on this issue where there's common ground, but you almost had me murdered three weeks ago, so you can sit this one out. Happy to work with almost any other GOP that aren't trying to get me killed. In the meantime, if you want help, you can resign, if you want to help. So, <laughs> Michael Steele, I... I think that's kind of a fair response. I mean, I think Twitter is a place where people are lobbing pot shots at each other, and it's yeah. it's it's not helpful, honestly. But you know, it was Ted Cruz trying to weasel his way back in after being an insurrectionist and inciting a mob that murdered. No, no, thank you. And 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 Twitter, since Twitter can't control these people. Since Twitter has no sense of responsibility as to what shows up and who shows up on their platform, I guess Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. When scholars spent time with Tea Party activists, they found that behind the talk of taxes and big government were people mostly motivated by fears about race and immigration. The people who have been most radicalized by the Trump years believe that diversity was an idea, not a vivid reality. In 1950, the year our political parties was said to be too similar, the country was about 90% white. Now in 2021, as we face an existential crisis of political division, America is about 59% white. We are living in the most vivid manifestation of the politics of fear in our histories. That's where we are now. Ailes became the go-to right-wing media strategist of the 1980s. Infamous for his vicious attacks. As Governor Michael Dukakis gave weekend furloughs to first-degree murderers. Good to see you. How are you? In 1996... We've been very lucky in being able to obtain the services of Mr. Roger Ailes. Ailes found his destiny. Our job is to be objective. When billionaire Rupert Murdoch came calling. He thought that CNN was a little too uh, liberal. 
it. The right wing's favorite hatchet man, we do not believe that it's up to the media to make up the public's mind, was now creating a new news network. ABC News Final. The old mainstream media cartel had splintered. These days, people think TV news is about as unbiased as the commercials. On cable, one network. every channel needed to find its own slice of the audience. Dedicated to getting the story right. Ailes turned his channel into a right-wing bullhorn. The terrorist state. Blurring facts and opinion like never before. Cut his mic. Democrats have now politicized our national security. You are watching Fox News Channel. Big ratings and profits soon followed. Donald Trump had a role model for his exploitation of the class divide. Sarah Palin, who did it first. When America's hockey mom became John McCain's running mate in 2008. They say the difference between a hockey mom and a pit bull, lipstick. She leaned heavily on identity politics on American values and culture to rile up her base. I'm not a member of the permanent political establishment. Her brand of America. Sarah is totally awesome. She speaks to the people like a regular person. You gotta love her. Talking about the real America, saying I'm one of you, was the precursor of Trump's war on elites. Sarah Palin, who I think of as John the Baptist, to Trump. She was the, the one who came first. Governor Sarah Palin. But before there was a Donald Trump, there was a Republican pioneer who paved the way for the Trump brand of destructive politics. I am a genuine revolutionary. They are the genuine reactionaries. We are going to change their world. This is the story of Newt Gingrich, the man who wrote the playbook for the modern conservative movement. It was a very different time in politics when civility and compromise mattered. House Republican leader Bob Michael was widely known as Mr. Nice Guy. Imagine that. Newt Gingrich comes in with a buzzsaw. What we are living through is a fundamental civil struggle, a civil war fought in public speeches rather than with armies. The Gingrich philosophy the only way for Republicans to win back power was to be nasty, really nasty. For the Democrats to basically say, not only are we going to rape you, but you have to pay for the motel room, is a bit much. To treat Democrats not as opponents, but the enemy. His legacy has been both dark and far-reaching. A permanent state of war between the parties. I am so much pain this morning. I didn't even notice I had the shit on the wrong screen till to the playback. But I was videoing like this. <laughs> it's a good look. I'm supposed to be fishing right now. Supposed to be fucking fishing. But you're ending there, you see it at CNN, and they literally just blame the GOP. But that's not misinformation. The left has no culpability in the partisan divide in our country. Neither does the mainstream media. It's just Fox own Newsmax. Really? SE Cup. Uh, everybody on CNN's a fucking crackhead. We live in a time when a person who peddles conspiracy theories about satanic pedophiles, staged shootings, and malign Jewish space force 
wants to overturn elections, supports executing politicians, isn't shamed or arrested. Sorry, an ad just popped. But is put on the education committee for Republican. Uh, yeah, this major reg- here. Let's just listen. I, I was I was going to wait later. This this is this is the media right now. All I have to say before I play this soundbite: Ilian Omar and Talib. Now CNN tonight has obtained screenshots of Marjorie Taylor Greene's social media accounts, some since removed, that are full of anti-Semitic tropes, bigotry, and outrageous conspiracy theories. Even a golf course is fodder for QAnon conspiracies, if it's Trump's. Eric Trump tweeted out this picture, which Marjorie Taylor Greene apparently takes to be a giant Q in the sky. The tweet's verified by CNN's K-File team, by the way. Then there's her lengthy thread of apocalyptic language sprinkled with conspiracy theories. A a commenter replies with a series of images featuring George Soros and Marjorie Taylor Greene replies to the commentator by calling George Soros a Nazi. And she writes, oh, yes, a Nazi himself trying to continue what was not finished. February of 2019. That one was verified by CNN's K-File team as well. And it's still up on Twitter right now if you want to take a look. And just so you can see what she is engaging when she calls Soros a Nazi, this one portrays him as a vampire going up in flames. Hmm. These bigots, man. It is really, it's outrageous. And you try to spin this as normal politics. This stuff, this stuff ain't normal. This is not normal. This is some racist BS. That's what it is. You're bigots. I, listen, I don't, shouldn't have to explain this, but I think everybody gets it in case you don't. George Soros is Jewish. It's the root of endless anti-Semitic tropes about him. He is not a Nazi, but he is the subject of countless ugly conspiracy theories embraced by Marjorie Taylor Greene and her cronies. Oh, and there's more. Sadly, (sighs) boy, this same source shared screenshots of two now removed Facebook posts of Marjorie Taylor Greene's page, which CNN has not independently confirmed. But one, a fake promo for the funeral of the late Senator John McCain, a war hero who saved his country in the Senate for more than 30 years. Right. And Marjorie Taylor Greene comments, this funeral has gone on way too long. I guess there's nothing that helps you hitch your, your card to the Trump train quite like mocking the funeral of a dead war hero, Marjorie. Shameful. Disgusting. You. Who, who, who elected her? And then there's this uh, bigoted anti-Muslim meme that shows graphic images of the 9-11 terror attack side by side with the images of Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib being sworn into Congress. And it says, thanks, Michigan. We blur the faces of the children in that photo, though. They don't need to be a part of this ugly bigotry. 
There is no place for that ugliness in the United States. There shouldn't be. But apparently this is where, where we are now. This is who the Republican Party is. And apparently there is a place for Marjorie Taylor Greene in Congress and in the Republican Party and a seat on the Education Committee. She should try to get herself some education. Joining me now is Congresswoman Cori Bush of Missouri. Uh, and Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. You have been all the talk today because of this confrontation between yourself and Marjorie Greene. Um, you're now moving your office away from hers. Please explain why. Yeah, so first of all, thank you for what you just said. You know, it is unbelievable that this is how um, so many of us get to go. Now, I cut that short because you got Cori Bush, a member of BLM. The left elected her to office. She's for the overthrow of the government. She's for no families. Cori Bush. The left elected people that said, my sole purpose is to impeach Donald Trump. Because uh, Russia. But that's not a conspiracy theorist. I mean, for fuck's sake. Grace Curley wrote a great article. I'm not going to read it because we have a really long show today. Conservatives need to cut out their thirst for progressive approval. And they're right. Why? Why even work with them? That's what they're saying. Over and over and over and over and over, this is our media. So there's some new movement on President Biden's nearly $2 trillion coronavirus relief bill. Senator Bernie Sanders getting ready, signaling that Democrats are willing to go it alone. Sanders has the support of most Democrats in the Senate who say that, that something needs to be done, something big, something bold, and something needs to be done now. And they are reluctant, most Democrats anyway, to wait around trying to negotiate with Republicans. Do you think it's a waste of time for President Biden to meet with Republicans about a smaller relief bill? How worth it is it for him to keep trying to, to negotiate with these moderate Republicans. Why even bother? Why, why negotiate? Why not just do it the, the way Senator Sanders has suggested doing? Is it time for, for Democrats to just go it alone on their own if Republicans don't come on board? And I'm not just talking about COVID relief. I'm talking about immigration. Um, I'm, I'm talking about gun law reform, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But this idea that Democrats should should you know, engage in the kumbaya and, and come to the table when your Republican counterparts didn't seem as willing. Uh, just There is one senator who led the charge to challenge the electoral college count and enthusiastically threw his weight behind multiple efforts to undermine the Democratic presidential election and is now trying to cleanse himself of the stain of those actions. And by the way, I do want to address the question that you were no doubt asking, which is what's up with this random show featuring a sitting U.S. senator in a lounge chair? back to verdict with ted cruz let me say to to all our viewers it's good to be back with you so this is a podcast shown on youtube that cruz started up during trump's first impeachment trial it's complete with those fancy graphics there's a floating monitor a carpet square there's a cactus and it rocks a leather chair masterpiece theater style 
And like Masterpiece Theater, Cruz's podcasts include adaptations of fiction. In this recent episode, Cruz tries to absolve himself of his participation in the big lie. His performance of ridding himself of the stink and stain of it appears to be a very loose adaptation of Lady Macbeth saying, out damn spot. And in another... Is that a news media? Is that news? Fuck the GOP. Don't even work on it. Right now, Biden is manipulating YouTube stuff with the help of Google. So you can't comment on their things. Gloria Borger. This is our last soundbite, and then I'm going to do articles. Biden is Reagan. Well, I, I think they're making a really big bet here. Brianna, and the big bet is that this COVID relief package is going to be more popular with the country, including Republicans in the country, than it probably will be with Republicans in the Congress. And so she was very careful in talking about sort of unity and bipartisanship and pointing to the fact that, you know, one poll shows that over 70 percent of the people in the country support this package so it kind of reminds me in a way of ronald reagan who i know and slamming these down but i'm trying to prove the point which reagan the reagan that gave everybody aids the reagan that was a nazi and all the while they keep covering Elite media outlets are working together to keep millions more Americans receiving COVID survival checks. Opinion, it's not progressive to give money. Biden stimulus risks giving money to people who won't spend it. Biden relief plan is a Trojan horse, and I'm okay with that. And then you go down here, and you really look at it, and it, twi- it trends. Biden lied. No media has talked about this. Biden lied down to kick it and chill with Jill after a masterful first 10 days of office erasing everything and everything that's Trump. But he still lied because he's not taking care of the people. He said, if you elect these two people in Georgia, you'll get your 2,000 checks. That's when it's going to go out. They, they haven't gone out. There is no 2000 They're not even sending 2000 checks. They're sending you a $1,400 check. POTUS will build on the 600 down payment provided by Congress last year, spending an additional 1400 to households across America, totaling direct payments to 2000 per person. That was January 30th, 2021. Gaslighting the very people entrusted and voted for you. 2000 immediately. These are all Dems. Where does this say 600 down payment, $1,400 check? Want a $2,000 check? Vote Warnock. That's the only reason why they did the 50 vote. Because now they're hemmed up by their own people. They were so about impeaching Trump so that they can never run again. Because that's all this will do. Because he's not in office. They blew this off, and their own people are like, here's your shit. Vote Warnock. 600 is simply not enough when you have to choose between paying rent and putting food on the table. We need $2,000 stimulus checks. A liberal. His actual thing, Ben the Socialist. Is this you, Joe? 
You lying bastards. $2,000 stimulus checks for the people next week. A third stimulus check. Biden says 2,000 checks will go out with the door. Democrats win in Georgia. That's from Slate. That's from Forbes. That's from everybody. He said it. But that's not disinformation not to put that out. You know, when CNN doesn't cover that, they're not like Fox News. They're based in reality. How about this reality? Scoop. Nine top New York health officials have quit as Governor Cuomo all but declared war on his own public health bureaucracy in the middle of the pandemic. The Deputy Commissioner for Public Health at the New York City Health Department resigned in late summer soon after the director of its Bureau of Communicable Disease Control also stepped down. So did the medical director for epidemiology and state state epidemiology. You don't know what I'm saying. Cuomo himself has scorned public health officials. When I say experts in air quotes, it sounds like I'm saying I don't really trust the experts. But I don't. He says the officials have no idea how to conduct real-world large-scale operations. Mr. Cuomo has all but declared war on his own public health bureaucracy. Tensions worsened in recent months that state health officials said they ought to found out about major changes in pandemic policy only after Mr. Cuomo announced them at news conferences and then asked them to match their health guidance to the announcement. It's the Mike Tyson line. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face, Cuomo said. The state designated as a regional vaccine hub on New York City, not the city's 6,000-person health department, but rather the Greater New York Hospital Association, a trade group with multi-million dollar lobbying arm that has been a major donor to governor causes. The dam is broken. Dr. Praship J. Shakar. So all of a sudden, after years of lies, Randall Cuomo 40K debts and the media shilling for him appears the dam is broken. Trumpian, governor repeatedly made it clear that he believed he had no choice but to seize more control over pandemic policy from state and local public health officials who he said had no understanding of how to conduct a real-world large-scale operation. Trump-like, when I say experts in air quotes, I mean, this is all with the media and the left and how he lost the election. Every major study to date, has said Trump lost the election on how he handled the coronavirus. But yet he handled the coronavirus like Andrew Cuomo, who got an Emmy, who was America's mayor, America's governor. Chris... Saliza on CNN, is this misinformation? Now that we know the facts, is this misinformation? It turns out that all the hype obscured a troubling reality. That's how he answered it. Andrew Como, call your office. Then it seemed, seemed to who? That's a nice bubble you have there. Andrew Cuomo COVID-19 performance may have been less stellar than it seemed. Just notice that Saliza deleted most of his old tweets, probably hoping no one would notice he spent almost every month of this pandemic attacking DeSantis and Trump for their COVID-19 response while praising Cuomo. And I can read them, but you know it's there. That's what they did all year. Our media, until it got leaked out by conservative source, didn't even tell us, nor have they asked Biden, 
why are you giving COVID vaccines to terrorists to Gitmo, but not my mom? Why? They canceled it. But of course, they didn't care. Then you find out that we spent a whole year that Trump's racist because he wants to give the vaccine to old people. And then you have this liberal, Vanessa Santos, truly shocking by the number of young and healthy people I know who, for some bogus reason, are able to get vaccinated. They're not frontline workers. I cannot imagine why their jobs would be considered essential. They're bragging about getting vaccine on social media. Only 7.2% of the U.S. population to receive the vaccine. Why are these young, healthy people getting it? And they're not black. So while this hole is blowing up that Cuomo was worse than Trump, he didn't listen to the experts. He didn't trust the experts. The same guy who forced grandma back into a fucking old folks home and got COVID and died. This is an article from CNN. It's from the 30th of January when this whole Cuomo thing was blowing up. This is what CNN ran. Once again, is this disinformation. A vaccine site meant to serve as a hard-hit Latino neighborhood in New York instead serviced white people from other areas. I'm just asking, is that, is that, is that bad? Biden administration, this broke this weekend, unaware of location of 20 million COVID-19 vaccination doses. 20 million. Trump doesn't have a plan. Biden got handed no plan. Now we're on day 10. He lost 20 million. They're going to blame Trump. It's what they did with Bush. It's what the left always gets to do. Byron York, nationally new COVID cases per day, seven-day average down 40% from the New York Times. Downturn began around January 8th. Wow, did something major politically happen right now? Yeah, the deaths are changing too. There's proof they're not counting people that were struck by lightning but just happened to be COVID positive and they didn't even know it because they were asymptomatic. Those people aren't going on the death rolls anymore. Did we think that wasn't going to happen? Did we think that nothing about COVID wasn't political for the last year? Montage of media fawning over Cuomo for his COVID response is a doozy. I'm just going to play this because I didn't download it, but it's, it's too good. David, we're sitting by for Governor Cuomo's press conference, his daily briefing. How would you contrast Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis? Truth versus mendacity. Governor Cuomo um, out there day after day after day. Truth. Everything Trump isn't. Honest, direct, brave. Real leadership of the kind the President of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally different reality. The actual one? 
than the president of the United States. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. He is conveying incredible strength. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you would send him soldiers off to war. This has been a remarkable show of leadership <laughs> by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope. But not false hope. Governor Cuomo, no. I think, is, is, is one of the heroes on, on the front lines. With all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Andrew Cuomo, who has a daily television show now uh, and has become, in some ways, the shadow uh, president. Maybe Trump is just a little shadow. bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president. Sharing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. That's what I'm going to go teach my kids right now at home. Yeah, that's good shit. That is good fucking shit. Yeah, yeah, but but that's CNN. I mean, the most of that was CNN. Here's another one: CNN to Governor Whitner. Do you now believe, in hindsight, that the anti-lockdown protest in Lansing was a dry run at some kind for what happened with the insurrection at the Capitol on January sixth? A short dress rehearsal. Responses: CNN inciting civil unrest and violence. There it is. I want to ask you about the Department of Homeland Security's warning that went out last week about the increase of domestic extremism, domestic terrorism. You are no stranger to this. Obviously, you have been on the receiving end of this in Michigan. And what we yeah, saw happen at the State House in Michigan in April of 2020. Here is some video of this. Do you now believe, in hindsight? That this was a dry run of some kind for what happened with the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. Do you believe this either planted the seed? Or- I can't even fucking play this shit. Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus fucking Christ. But that isn't disinformation. See, this week a lot of pillars fell down for the left. A lot. Including the Lincoln Project. And George Conway, uh, thanks for being on this morning. I'd be remiss uh, not to ask you about uh, the story about John Weaver, who is a founding member of the Lincoln Project, 21 men accusing him of online harassment. Your organization has a pretty clear statement on this kind of harassment, um, but wanted to ask you directly about this issue. Yeah, it's, it's terrible and awful and appalling and unfathomable. I... I I didn't know John very well. I frankly only spoke to him a couple of times on the phone early. Of course, Morning Joe would cover it like that, but this is huge. Too many victims of John Weaver came forward to detail one article. The youngest was only 14. The Lincoln Project released a statement, John Weaver led a secret life. 21 men told me John Weaver, a Lincoln Project co-founder, sent them inappropriate messages, including explicit offers of professional help in exchange for sex. 11 of them spoke on the record, far more than I could detail. CBS, NBC didn't even cover it. Nothing on CNN has actually been put on video. I can't find it. One of them, a 14-year-old kid, he's going to take me to fucking Paris. These are the guys that spent all this time attacking Trump. Liberals gave him money. Liga Profada number nine again.
And remember, this is why for two shows I went crazy on these jackasses. And I did a skit on the last one. These never Trump. They're just liberals. Because remember, in the liberal world, minor attractive person is under the LGBT umbrella. There's nothing wrong with those people. Everybody in the world said, what kind of response is that? Uh, Stuart Stevens. A lot of people still invested in Lincoln Project being good guys. John Weaver isn't the only sexual predator in the ranks. They also brought on Stuart Stevens after he was slapped with a restraining order for stalking a woman in Vermont. Jack Probasek. We are now learning many high-level journalists covered up the child grooming a Lincoln Project founder in order to delay the story until after the election. Not only is this complete breach of ethics, it's disinformation. Disinformation. But what's Jake Tapper doing? He's a journalist. Pour out a pour out a cold one for all the GOP press secretaries have to apply extra care and diligence as they type out statements condemning the coup in Miramar, subverting the will of the people. No, they can't say that. Bogus allegation of voter fraud. Nope. That's what he's doing. We're just ignoring it. Just ignoring it. CNN legal analysts. Jennifer G. Rogers responds to Trump's impeachment defense. We don't have a First Amendment right to lie. Because they're on this disinformation. And we had the majority green, which the whole media, that's all they'll focus on. It's going to play this for later. Here's AOC. Bathroom. And I immediately realized that I shouldn't have gone into the bathroom. I should have jumped in the closet. And so I, I opened the door when all of a sudden I hear that whoever was trying to get inside got into my office. Um, and then I realized that it's too late, that it's too late for me to get into the closet. And so I... I go back in and I, I hide back in, um, in the bathroom behind the door. And then I just start to hear these yells of, where is she? Where is she? And I just thought to myself, they got inside. And so I hide behind my door like this, like I'm here and the bathroom door starts going like this, like the bathroom door is behind me or rather in front of me. And I'm like this and the door hinges right here. And I just hear, where is she? Where is she? And um, this was the moment where I thought everything was over. Um, and the weird thing about moments like these is that you lose all sense of time. Um, in retrospect, um, maybe it was four seconds, maybe it was five seconds, maybe it was 10 seconds, maybe it was one second, I don't know. It felt like my brain was able to have so many thoughts in that moment. Um, between these screams and these yells of, where is she? Where is she? And so 
I go down and I just, I mean, I thought I was going to die. Um, and I had a lot of thoughts. You have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I think when you're in a situation like that, um, and like also one of those thoughts that I had was, you know, I just happened to, you know, be a spiritual person and be raised in that context. And I really just felt like, you know, if this is the plan for me, um, then people will be able to take it from here. Um, I had a lot of thoughts, but that was the thought that I had about you all. Um, I felt that um, if this was the journey that my life was taking, that I felt that things were going to be okay. Um, um, and that, you know, I had fulfilled my purpose. Anyways, um, sorry guys. So anyways, as I'm hiding in this bathroom, I'm hiding in this bathroom, um, hearing these yells of these men or just this, a man, just one man going, where is she? Where is she? I start to look through the door hinge to see if I can see anything. And there's like a door here and there's like another door here. So I'm like, I'm like trying to look through do two door hinges. Um, and so I look through this door hinge and I see this um, white man in a black beanie um, bump, just like open the door of my personal office and come inside the personal office. Uh, I couldn't do it anymore. Sorry. That's like 10 minutes, but I, I couldn't do it anymore. AOC recounting her horrifying experience hiding in her office. I thought I was going to die. A twist person in her office, she says, declared they are Capitol Police officer, but she says it doesn't feel right. He wasn't yelling this is Capitol Police, she says, and she felt she fearful of his hostility. Says her legal director felt similarly. Plot twist. Emma Gray, this is harrowing. AOC says she was told to run and hide. She jumped in the bathroom, closed the door, blah, blah, blah. While AOC was hiding, heard people yelling, where is she? They even opened the bathroom. AOC is very clear. I thought I was going to die. AOC is breaking down in tears, talking about her state of mind when she thought she was going to die. I had fulfilled my purpose. She says the man turned out to be a Capitol Police officer, but he was looking at her with anger and hostility, and he was there without a partner. Something did not feel right. A.G. Hamilton. Wait, so the person who broke into her office was a Capitol Police officer trying to evacuate her, who she then proceeded to basically accuse of trying to endanger her. This is what reporters have been promoting all night? Not disinformation, though. Well, all cops are evil. They're all racist. I mean, come on. All of them. A lot of Capitol Police officers got hurt that day protecting AOC and her colleagues. Some have had a lasting trauma. They deserve, deserve better than one of the people they fought to protect that day, running around and accusing them of being complicit without evidence. 
even just from reporter tweets, tens of thousands of people got the impression tonight that the mob broke into AOC's office trying to get her while she hid in the bathroom. Many failed to note it was actually a police officer. AOC now claims she's a sexual assault survivor, accuses GOP of using the same tactic. Is that disinformation? I'm, I'm asking for a friend. Drew Holden, this is a serious accusation that should be investigated. If true, it would represent a most unthinkable problem with Capitol Police. If not true, it would be an unforgivable smear of an organization that bled and died to keep AOC and others safe. Um, where is it? Incredibly, the three-minute-long Today Show clip doesn't mention that AOC went on to say that the person banging on her door and looking for her ended up being a Capitol Police officer who was trying to move her to a different building. Zod Jillian. Alright? She's a journo. A prog one. If a member of Congress accuses a U.S. Senator of murder attempt against her, and then speculates the Capitol Police were trying to hurt her. These seem like serious accusations worth vetting. Instead, they're just kind of thrown out there. Where's the fact checkers? If either claim was true, then arrests should be made. If the claim are false, Mock is making inflammatory conspiratorial assertions. Over 100 police officers were injured protecting members of Congress. One was killed. Another committed suicide some days later. If you're going to say these kind of things about Capitol Police, you should have evidence. Has it ever occurred to AOC that the thousands of police officers injured in riots from 20 to 21 ever suffered in a trauma? I'm sure her experience was scary. Officers being bludgeoned with sharp objects and in some cases killed is also scary. There was a time the progressive movement believed in everyone inherently dignity and worth. This is being subdued by a movement that believes certain people aren't worthy of it. Police as a class of people are being treated this way. By June 2020, just a few days into the summer of the riots, hundreds of police officers in NYC have been injured. One was hit by a car. Not one statement about these humans being dignity or worth. Is that what progressives are now? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Here's Jake Tapper. Just a montage of him disinformation about Jacob Blake. A disturbing story out of Wisconsin, yet another unarmed black man shot. Disturbing video last night showed Jacob Blake unarmed being shot by police. A black man, father of three, shot in the back at close range in front of his three children. He was unarmed. President Trump still has not commented on what happened to Jacob Blake, the unarmed black man. We all saw it. A man who appears to be completely unarmed. I agree that before any verdict come down, comes down, there needs to be an investigation. Uh, but I don't understand why expressing sympathy for what happened and outrage that once again an unarmed black man is shot. Uh, we won't know to the investigation is completed well, whether there was a firearm in the, in the vehicle or not. I don't know. I'm not going to prejudge that. But. They say that Mr. Blake was not unarmed, that he had a knife in his possession. Shooting of Jacob Blake. Uh, unarmed, a black man in the back, although he, he did have a, a knife in his car, I guess. We see you, you walk away from the officers after they try to grab you. I'm rattled, you know. I realized I had dropped my knife, that little pocket knife. 
So I picked it up after I got off of him. I shouldn't have picked it up. That was done by Grabian, not an actual conservative site. Disinformation all summer happened. All cops, blacks are shot more. How many times you got to put it on the show? But this AOC shit, she's just a fucking drama queen, and I don't believe any of it. Any of it. But it's it's what we do. Unacceptable. Drake president addresses professor calling for Republicans to suffer. Ex-CIA army officer. Opinion. We defeated Al-Qaeda. Can do the same to the fascist thugs who attacked our democracy last month. But only if we take similar hard measures against the enemy within. Washington Examiner. He's basically a terrorist. The things he said in here, it's like Brennan. Washington Post. Trump must never have a presidential library. Cruz and Hawley to face secretive Senate Ethics Committee panel. Because they're trying to push them, them out. But we don't do a panel on AOC's multi-accusation of I was almost murdered. The Capitol Police were trying to kill me. We don't do ethics committee on Tlaib. We're going to impeach the motherfucker the day she got elected. We don't do ethics on Bush and the rest of them. They did chemical warfare because they weren't wearing a mask. New. In December, Hunter Biden hired a new criminal defense lawyer. A month later on Inauguration Day... One of his close colleagues was appointed as the acting head of DOJ criminal division. But disinformation. Fox. I don't even watch Fox. For the record, if you stumbled on this, not a Trumper, not GOP. Don't watch Fox. I watch Tucker Carlson. My wife every night watches Seltzer and Company. And I watch it with her. It's not a bad show. Seltzer's a smartass. How much disinformation have we had? Do I have to play Trump was a Russian asset? The walls are closing in. Smoking gun. He's a very small man. He will be impeached. The montage of 200. That was all disinformation. But what is our media doing? Saki dogged this person. Listen to this. Um, well, asking that again in a slightly different way. There are Democrats who see that the first meeting the president is having face-to-face with lawmakers is with Republicans and not Democrats. Because why would the, why is the White House doing that? Who, are there any specific Democrats you want to call out? No, but it's been talked about. There's concern. That, Just people you know, talking about it in hallways? Okay. Um, That's CBS's big guy, Ed O'Keefe. He's a total libtard. Bonchi. This was the entire Trump tenure. Caleb Hull, it's cool to attack anonymous sources now again. Now let's pump the brakes here. Since when did the use of unnamed sources stop being tolerated? Oh, 12 days ago. 12 days ago. 
Yeah. 12 days ago. That's when we stopped doing it. Caleb, uh, Caleb Hole gets uh, Aaron Rupar, who did that. She calls out the numerous sources. This was what he said just a month ago. The absurdity of Trump's new war against anonymous sources. Think progress. That was the entire Trump presidency. Remember, we had a top-level person that said, he said, everybody there was this. We had a top-level person that turned out to be some flack he never even met. And then come to find out, reporters whine, I could play press secretary, I'm not going to, anonymously. Team Biden wants to know questions in advance. One reporter raised the issue during the informal White House Correspondents Association Zoom call last Friday. According to multiple sources, leaders at the meeting advised print reporters to push back against requests by the White House press team to learn of questions in advance or simply to not respond to the inquiries. While it's a relief to see briefings return, particularly with the commitment to factual information. Oh yeah, we're getting factual all the time. I'll circle back on that. I'll circle back on that. I'll circle back on that. I'll circle back on the circle back and then I won't circle back because it's just a liberal circle jerk. It's our, this is America. Are they the DNC or are they the press? One why uh, room, oh, sorry, information, the press really can't really do it, can't really do its job in the briefing room. The White House is picking and choosing questions they want. That's not really a free press at all. We don't have a free press. But since this is Obama's third tour or term, White House reporters, Biden team wants our questions in advance. To everyone asking why this matters, if Psaki doesn't like your question, she doesn't call on you. John Favreau, this is a lie. Tara's lying to you and worse apparently thinks you won't read the full piece. In each of the early press conferences, she fielded questions from every reporter in the room. Also, what the White House is doing is completely normal, as the piece also points out. Stephen Miller, Tara's lying. Also, this is normal. Do explain. How is she lying while at the same time what she alleges is said to be by you completely normal? It's not normal. Trump and men couldn't do that. But when you have a press that does this, Matt Viser. His tweets read like fortune cookies. He appears in front of cameras for 30 minutes a day, plotted and planned a little runes for the unscripted or unusual. One in, one week in, my look at Biden's nine-to-fine presidency, it's just a guy getting up, doing his job. Fuck, <laughs> you can't be real, right? You can't be real. Oh, my fucking God. What the hell? Let's play the press briefing. This is what press briefings are now. 
And last thing I just want to do before we get to your questions, um, I often note I'm going to circle back. I hate to disappoint conservative Twitter, but I am going to circle back on a number of things, as we often do directly. You mentioned that uh, President Biden's proposed COVID relief package is designed to be commensurate with the crises. This group of 10 Senate Republicans, what they're offering, as you know, is more than a third less. The top line number, the $600 billion, is more than a third less of that $1.9 trillion that President Biden says he wants. Given that, do you see that as a serious attempt at compromise on their part. I have a follow-up to Amisha's great question about reconciliation, and it's that the Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell back in 2017 famously said, um, winners make policy, losers go home. Given that, why shouldn't Democrats, why shouldn't President Biden be as tactically ruthless as Republicans have been in, in pushing priorities uh, that he champions? As you know, President Trump has been barred from a lot of social media sites. I'm just curious whether you think his absence has made your job any easier or the White House's job any easier as it kind of goes forward on these COVID negotiations. In what way? Well, he'd create a lot of noise, right? He, uh, he, would, he would have certain gravitational pull with Republicans who may be, um, may be more inclined to take a harder position. I wonder if that's been anything that you guys have thought about or, or kind of considered. This may be hard to believe. We don't spend a lot of time talking about or thinking about President Trump here, former President Trump, uh, to, to be very clear. Um, I think that's a question that's probably more appropriate for Republican members um, who um, are looking for ways to support a bipartisan package uh, and whether that gives them space. But uh, I can't say we miss him on Twitter. Does President Biden support the continuing ban of, of, of President Trump on their sites? I think that's a decision made by Twitter. We've, we've certainly spoken to and he's spoken to um, the need for social media platforms to continue to take steps to reduce hate speech. Um, but we don't have more for you on it. Then. And that's what we call a press briefing now. That's good shit. Yeah, they don't think a lot about Trump anymore. Just ways to blame him for everything. And then if you're not thinking about it, then why do all you do is take stories about, well, President Trump was the devil. What's President Biden going to do about being an angel god? As we'll see in our This is America. So, let's do some everything is racist, because invariably, it all is racist. Newsweek, far-right extremists are using GameStop chaos to radicalize and recruit new members online. There's no proof in this article, by the way. It's just that you have to be a Nazi if you did that. Because that makes sense. And then we get into our culture. I I was going to do a hit on this, and I've done it before. So I didn't do a soundbite or a trailer for it. But Cobra Kai is really good. I watched all three seasons. My wife even liked it. But you can guess, Guy Benson, Cobra Kai whiteness is problematic, gang. We're all having too much fun watching it, apparently, so woke scolds must intervene. At Netflix, Cobra Kai broke out. Now it's whiteness is under a new spotlight. It's whiteness. What is, what, there's black kids? The head kid's a Latinx. His mom's a Latinx. Technically, fucking the Karate Kid's Latino or Italian. A number of critics have taken notice of the series' whiteness as well. Salon Cultural Senior Editor Han Yun 
who has been critical of the series in the past, told the Times that the only main character, Color, who has any sort of interior interiority is Miguel. Interiority. Really. We think we're smart. Dana LaRusa, Italian kid from Jersey. As Vanity Fair, Sonia Saraya put it about the first two seasons, is the most Japanese character on this show. As Times TV critic Lorraine Alley writes, Cobra Kai has successfully mined laughs and pathos from Johnny's transformation through his proximity to an immigrant family. It's also scrutinized how Kreese's band of karate perpetuates a cycle of militant toxic masculinity. But it has been show slow to explore Daniel's own blind spots beyond the moments of Clueless. Sushi-splaining and his bewilderment that his karate-chopping commercial might be seen as cultural appropriation. The things I like to see them do is to go beyond the suburban idyllic space, this white pocket dimension. (laughs) Said writer and podcaster Jeff Yang, who has covered the series for Quartz. What if they actually did encounter people who embrace martial arts, not just to overcome bullying, but because it's part of a larger tradition exists within people of color community? No fun. You can't have fun. What the fuck is wrong with you? Woke or joke? Not enough. S. Southeast Asians and cast of upcoming animated Disney movie. A friendly message that actual Southeast Asians are not thrilled for Raya and The Last Dragon. They basically put the whole region in a blender and hired so little South Asian actors for the roles. It sucks. It feels like Disney didn't care to respect us. Each country under Southeast Asia is very unique. You cannot walk up to us and say a person from Thailand is the same as a person from Indonesia. You know what? They got a point. From now on, I'm done. I'm done. Unless you're a real vet, you can't do army shows or movies. You're you're military appropriating. Jesus freaking Christ. Get the hell out of here. Then you have Run, Hide, Fight. Run, Hide, Fight. We watched it, and it was actually pretty good. It was not, you know, it wasn't great, but it was, it was a good movie. Daily Beast, the ugly backstory of Ben Shapiro's first movie, Run, Hide, Fight. The right-wing pundit Daily Wire is partnered with disgraced film producer Dallas, Dallas Sonier, who has a history of overlooking on-set abuses to release a school shooting movie. When the news broke last week, the Daily Wire right-wing Facebook publisher co-founded by Ben Shapiro that regularly traffics in misinformation, (laughs) a.k.a. truths we don't actually acknowledge, will be making his first foray into movie biz with an acquisition of school shooting thriller Run-Eyed Fight. A number of crew members who worked on the film were caught by surprise. Is there a way to remove your name from a crew list? Asked Kristen Leigh Haynes, the film's additional second assistant director. If I'd known, I'd never want to take my name off a project more than I do now. Because Daily Wire is a bunch of fucking white supremacists run by a Jewish dude. You fucking people. You fucking people are just fucking horrible. You know, it's an inappropriate topic. 
because it is a school shooting. But the reason why the people didn't like it and the media is dogging it has, well, it has to do that it's on Daily Wire. I mean, sure, that's going to be a problem because, you know, Daily Wire is much goddamn, oh, it's, it's goddamn gateway drug to white supremacy, don't you know? It dogs the media. How they make these kids out to be fucking heroes and make it worse. Other kids want to do it now. I want to be a school shooter. Or, I don't want to follow the rules. I want to be the hero. Famed abortion doctor. The unborn are zombies. On Sunday, a doctor who's a leading champion for abortion and has served as a New York Times columnist. There you go. Great lady. Covering women's health state on Twitter. The unborn are zombies. Zombies, she says. Jennifer Gunter, GOP leader, I challenge you to public factual discussion about abortion. Jennifer Gunter has condemned the Born Alive Abortion Survivor Protection Act as nonsensical. A New York Times article issued a tweet early Sunday morning targeting GOP leader. And why was that out? Well, Daily Beast, March for Life, errs are the extremists that rioted at the Capitol. It's all, it's everybody. What I knew that. That's why I was so angry for four days. I knew they were going to take everything and make it about the riot. Daily Beast author, co-creator of The Daily Show and founder of the Radical Abortion Access Front, Liz Winstead, wants to stop the madness of the pro-lifers. She thinks the March for Life is an act of terrorism and all pro-lifers are fanning flames, just like the Capitol rioters. Winston also claimed that the March for Lifers were the same extremists that sieged the Capitol. COVID forced the March for Life to take place virtually this year, but Winston still thinks their web-based stream possesses imminent danger of putting out facts, not in evidence, because our media still is pushing that everybody's for born alive abortion, you know, till birth. Going online still means speaker after March for Life speaker will poison the virtual civility well. Defining abortion as a holocaust and comparing it to slavery, they will perpetuate to millions that lies that doctors rip babies from the womb and perform post-birth abortion. They do. We just went through this last year. They're doing it. You're for it. The Cuomo brothers say it's to codify Roe. On day of March for Life, pro-life conservatives reject Biden's abortion extremism. As January 29th, March Life comes during the time of the blah, 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 blah. With the Biden-Harris administration wielding executive orders to roll back pro-life policies, but in by a previous pro-life administration only a day earlier and flexing their commitment to protecting the right to abortion with federal law, Cruz and other lawmakers stood confident and trusting on the knowledge that the American people stand by unborn life. They told pro-lifers they were committed as ever to restoring the culture of life in America. Prior to the march, would opted for virtual format this year to COVID and heightening security protections, Cruz sent a video message addressing the millions of virtual marchers on Twitter. 
Though we are unable to march together in D.C. today, millions across the country will pause today and pay tribute to the millions of innocent lives lost to abortion. Cruz also thanked everyone who had planned on marching for championing, championing life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Then you have singer Halsey, who is now going to get canceled. Many human pregnant singer Halsey strays from pro-abortion rhetoric. In a heartwarming message, the usually angst-filled pro-abortion female pop star decided to show a softer side of herself when revealing her pregnancy to the public. Halsey shared several new photos of her growing baby bump on Instagram, and she appeared to radiate joy in both the images and her subsequent comments on her post. Halsey is clear and enamored of the new life inside her, and whether she meant it or not, she became a wonderful reminder to her legions of fans that even pop stars recognize the sanctity of womb, life in the womb. After the rumored father of baby, Elvin Arden, responded to Halsey's post saying, Heart so full, I love you, sweetness. I love you, and I love this mini human already. Oh, you fucked up. She's done. It's going to get canceled. To the racist stuff. The University of York has surprised scholars by pulling artwork of the three wise monkeys from their website to avoid racist stereotypes. See hear, speak, no evil. Really. San Francisco Public Schools creating a coalition to go all in on an anti-racist curriculum. Wesley Yang, SF School Board proposed resolution that remove all academic admission standards from Lowell High School and turn the city's best public high school into a successor ideology indoctrination camp. As pointed out in the document to which Yang links, a lot more than just California law played in the decision. Yes, the teachings of Kendi are in there, as is promised to create a community coalition whose work may include the following. How do we learn about the experience of black students and families at Lowell, and how do we center their healing, liberation, joy, and excellence? Where do we see tenets of white supremacy culture and patriarchy showing up in interactions, communications, curriculum, and policies? What anti-racist teaching, learning, and assessment practices are necessary? What adults learning and structural will support this change? What racist policies exist? And how can we design anti-racist policy structures and systems? Well, you did it. You can be dumb as a post and get in the school now. Good job. We won't actually do grades. They're racist. Good job. Don't turn your work in. Good job. In ways, in what ways has Lowell High School perpetuated racism throughout SFUSD in San Francisco? And how do we align district policies with its core values and anti-racist visions? Dana Loesch. Our school board meeting is underway and NBC is there working on a hit piece to smear parents who objected to the board breaking Texas Open Meeting Act, hiring a PR firm and refusing PIRs all to bully residents into funding critical race theory as curriculum. It's interesting that the school entered into a deal with Subwest PR and then suddenly hit pieces about community members began appearing everywhere. 
Magically, NBC is now sending cameras to our school board meeting. Of course, we can't see invoices, so it's all a mystery. The CRT proposal included establishing punishment for students who commit microaggressions. Which are defined as everyday verbal or nonverbal snubs or insults, whether intentional or unintentional. And we learned that years ago, boys and girls. Parents are now blasting the $8,500 retainer given to SunWest PR. The language of letter to the school board is insane. And the school's refusal to share invoices. Mothers speaking now, journos speak out. Taxpayer money was used to slander parents. The sad thing is that those who objected have had their property vandalized, kids bullied. One kid who runs a lawn service so he could buy his own truck, she spelled buy wrong, single dad household, reportedly had adults trying to run down the service rating because he spoke out. People are asking me how a town in Texas got to this point with Marxist CRT curriculum. The answer is that no one watched the school board. Numerous seats were filled by unopposed candidates. That's how it happens. The NBC producer reached out to our city as Kayla MC1, who's at the board meeting tonight. Hopefully, SunWest PR released invoices on this. I'd hate to think our school board hired a PR company to attack our community after they violated Texas Open Meeting Act. A mom and former teacher at the mic and is blowing up the corrupt school board with receipts right now. Who boy. I doubt she will be approached by NBC to give her legitimate criticism of the board and object to their CRT proposal. Apparently, NBC is out talking with proponents of the CRT and supporters of the corrupt board while moms and dads are taking the boards to task at the mic right now. It's so bad in our country, we now have critical race training in education. Let's see. Select a state. I'm going to pick Tennessee. Vanderbilt. Oregon. Lewis and Clark. Oregon Health and Science. Oregon State. Portland State. University of Oregon. Let's look at Kentucky. Spalding. Union College. University of Kentucky. University of Louisville. California. This list is going to be huge. It's like three pages. So this is a site, uh, criticalrace.org. It's pro-critical race, but I found it, and you can search to see who's training on this shit, because once again, it's not about critical race. It's a racist Marxist organization that wants to say everybody's a racist. Shut up. Don't have a voice. Chad Felix Green. You think the left wants to declare homeschooling a white supremacist radicalization threat? <laughs> you don't think that once the teachers union paradox is resolved, the left won't suddenly declare homeschooling a threat of white supremacist extremists radicalizing their children and using opposition to critical race theory as proof, will ya? Palmetto promise backlash after calling for homeschooling ban. One thing you might expect from Harvard Law School is ignorance. But that is exactly what we got in the Risk of Homeschooling, published in the most recent Harper. The Cut, How White Nationalized Weaponized Motherhood. Another, Homeschooling and Racism. 
three Christian homeschoolers became radicalized domestic terrorists this year, and it's only May. Another article. Yeah, they're doing it. It's going to be nationwide. They're going to get rid of homeschooling. You watch. When more and more parents are doing it, these unions own the left. That's why they're not in school. And then if we haven't heard this a million times, here's a million and one. Black Student Union demands segregated safe spaces on and off campus. Segregated. Why more and more do we see that? Segregated. Theological school speaker, understand what it means to be white or you're dangerous. The video, the role white people must play in the work of racial justice. Methodist Theological School in Ohio hosts a lecture called Beyond Good Intentions. The person who gave the lecture said that the friends of color have gifted her with the challenge to do the strenuous work of understanding what it means to be white in America. Because if not, you're dangerous. Yeah. College coach quits after being accused of making microaggressive comments about black cheerleader hairstyles. Uh, You never talk about a black woman's hair, and you don't touch it either. I learned that on uh, Cosby. A coach at a small college in Ottawa, Kansas, has resigned after being accused of making microaggression comments about a black cheerleader's hairstyle, dismissing her from practice, and then throwing her off the squad. According to news release issued on Saturday, Ottawa University head cheer and stunt coach Casey Jamron, who's probably gay, has chosen to step down from her position in the aftermath of allegations lodged by a student member of her team. Still, Jamerson denied the accusation. The university internal investigation concluded no violation of policy occurred. This was all over the route, by the way. They didn't say that there was no policy violation. They just covered it. The announcement indicated that Coach Jamerson's resignation stems from a January 5th incident. As I reflected over the event of the past three weeks, I can only conclude that my further involvement with the program is likely to continue to be distraction for the team. According to KC star, Talon Jefferson, 20-year-old junior, told the outlet she refused to remove a hair bonnet during cheerleading practice because she worried her long braids would hit her in the face. So, being in a uniform, fuck that. You're white. Diversity vice chancellor tells white people to fix your freaking families. Really? The number of single parent homes, deadbeat dads, the fact that side piece is even a concept baby mama really professor racism has become a culture of the people in the US it's everywhere a professor at Dominican University said that racism is a culture of the people of America not just endemic with the police it's everywhere well yeah since everything's racist now I mean what the fuck everything is racist then you got Karen Atta. Mm. WAPO. I don't know how anybody reads WAPO in the New York Times. 
every piece of news you're reading comes from Twitter, the left Twitter. Karen if Americans were, if America was another country, we would be talking about how post-Civil War America is still in desperate need of a UN-sponsored disarmament, demobilization, and reintegration program for white supremacists and segregationists. Socially distanced. In other words, you favor concentration camps for people you don't like. Sounds familiar. It's like a deprogramming clip. That's why I play it. We all need to go to concentration re-education camps. It's fucking red dawn up in this bitch. America, this is Chad Felix Green, America is supposed to be a free country where the government isn't interested in what you personally believe. You simply cannot target and deny civil rights to people who hold views you strongly oppose. Why? Because you can be denied those same rights. It'll never happen in this country. The problem with this mindset is how fixated it is on the content. We universally oppose the white supremacist belief system and recognize how it can be dangerous in action. However, you cannot use a government to eradicate a belief system. That is how you empower said system. Remove white supremacists from the equation and remember that oppressive policing against slaves, former slaves, during Reconstruction and the Civil Rights Movement were based on the same principle that the government must stamp out dangerous ideas threatening society. He's dead on. Yeah. The Gormons. GP, consider for a moment that this idea worked both ways. What's to stop it from being turned on the left by people on the right claiming that destroying American democracy and woke public schools and universities teaching discredited critical race theory and socialism? Anybody? But it's everywhere. The Guardian. Empty half the earth of its humans. It's the only way to save the planet. Let's read this one. Discussing cities is like talking about the knots in a net. They're crucial. But they're only one part of the larger story of the net and what it's supposed to do. It makes little sense to talk about knots and isolation when it's the net that matters. Cities are part of the system we've invented to keep people alive on Earth. People tend to like cities and have been congregating them ever since the invention of the agriculture 10,000 years ago. That's why we call it civilization. This origin story underlines how agriculture made cities possible by providing enough food to feed and shell settle crowd on a regular basis. Cities can't work without farms nor without watersheds to provide their water. So as central as cities are to modern civilization, they're only one aspect of the system. There are nearly 8 billion humans alive on the planet now, and that's a big number. More than twice as many were alive 50 years ago. It's an accidental experiment with enormous stakes, as it is clear that the Earth's biosphere can supply that many needs, or absorb that many wastes and poisons on a renewable and sustainable basis over the long haul. We'll only find out by trying it. Right now, we are not seceding. The Global Footprint Network estimates that we use up our annual supply of renewable resources by August every year, after which we are cutting into non-renewable supply in effect, stealing from the future generations, eating the seed corn, they used to call it, 
At the same time, we're pumping carbon dioxide in the atmosphere at a rate that is changing the climate in dangerous ways and will certainly damage agriculture. This situation cannot endure for long years, perhaps not decades. The future is radically unknowable. It can hold every, anything from an age of peaceful prosperity to a horrific mass extinction event. The sheer breadth of possibility is disorienting and even stunning. But one thing can be said for sure. What can happen won't happen. Since the current situation is unsustainable, things are certain to change. And this goes on forever as he pontificates that we're all going to die tomorrow. And we need to get rid of people. Eat the babies. Eat the babies. Do you remember that? Here, let's let's do a refresher. Uh, where's my bumpers? Where's climate? We haven't played this for fucking ever. Here we go. Okay. Okay. How dare you? It's not all about energy. It's about raising awareness for climate change in schools and all over Charlotte. Because How here's the you? thing: changes can be made. This is the first step to radical action, and we need it to happen. How dare you! We will make sure they, that we put them against the wall. Put them against the wall! You're, you, you know, you're a pollutant! Too much CO2! So we have to get rid of the babies. That's a big problem. Just stopping having babies and fighting land. We need to eat the babies. Eat the fucking babies. Yeah. That song, by the way, is a actual climate change song. California professor, heterosexuality is tragic. Tragic, yeah. It's fucking horrible. University of California Riverside professor spoke out against heterosexuality, calling it a tragedy. She lists several reasons for her assertion, including that it encourages men to objectify women. Yeah. Why heterosexuality relationships are so bad for us, according to a sex researcher, in which she told the outlet that heterosexuality is tragic. Ward has authored a book called The Tragedy of Heterosexuality. It really looks like straight men and women don't like each other very much. That women spend so much time complaining about men. And we still have so much evidence of misogyny or woman-hating behavior. From an LGBT perspective, being straight looks actually very tragic. The article cites an uptick in divorces and relationship problems among straight couples since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. I think in some ways the pandemic is revealing the tragedy of heterosexuality people who might not have otherwise paid attention to it. Yet we have a rampant breakout in HIV since they came up with the prep stuff because gay men are fucking everything that moves. And gay relationships are great because of the pandemic. Mm. There's no fights there. Everything is great. Retired NFL defensive end Marcus Wiley suggests a separate category for transgender athletes after Biden did his stupidity. As a father of three daughters and the husband of former collegiate athlete, this hits home in a special way. It's time to create separate transgender categories in competition. Also, think it's time for me to start a podcast because some things to be discussed in detail. Good on him. He'll get canceled. 
Deep down, they know they're frauds. God saw it, explains the privileged lefty elite's desperation to virtue signal and legendary thread. God saw it. Let me explain yet again the source for all the platitudes, virtue signaling. The truly privileged elites know that deep down they're frauds. They suffer from existential guilt. Hence, one of the ways by which they assuade their guilt albatross around their neck is to demonstrate to the world that they are truly compassionate, truly loving, truly caring, truly profound. Hence, they love all undocumented immigrants. They love Mother Earth. They love the ozone layer. They love BLM. They love socialism. They love the inner cities. They hate the gentrification of neighborhoods. They love mentors of color. They cherish diversity. Diversity. They love LGBTQ movies. They adore queer architecture. They're better than you. More caring, more cultured, more empathetic. This permits them to sleep better at night. See, I'm not a fraud. I may be a gargantuan parasitic hedge fund bullshitter, but I really care. I may be an overpaid BS actor, but I fight for solar panels. Those flyover rubes deserve their lot in life. They're racists who bed their siblings. We are science supporters who fight against Mother Earth's rapist whilst flying in our private jets. It is a classic ego defensive strategy that permits the ruling class to exist within their fractured selves. Save this thread, memorize it. I'm offering you a deep psychological explanation of our times. And she's dead the fuck on. It is that way. Do you think George Soros gets affected by anything he gets pushed through? No. But he spends his billions to change judges and do all this bail reform and do studies to say that there's no censorship of Republicans anywhere. Because he's a billionaire. Everybody who's on your TV right now telling you how to live, they got theirs. Unite in justice for the poor and oppressed. Bree Newsom. The more we focus on whiteness as the root issue, the quieter folks get. The cranky pacifist. I think we white folks know that we've done and we know that we've stolen, but we were afraid if we acknowledge it, we'll have to give it all back. Or that folks will turn around and treat us like we've treated y'all for centuries. Everybody who disagreed him? Wow, this comment brought out a whole lot of racists. And that's why people are quiet. They're quiet because what are you going to say? When you say every white person is racist, point blank, that's it. And people like me go through your intersectionality and realize you use it as a tool to shut everybody up about your Marxist, socialist platforms. You stretched racism into climate every fucking cause you have because you knew it was the best punch to say you're racist and people shut up why say anything when you do this is what happens army investigates chaplain who said transgender people unqualified to serve he's done he's gone 
yet we don't let people come in the army with ADD or any other mental illnesses. You can't serve, but you can with gender dysphoria. I mean, what does that say? School art department is our last store, and then we'll do This Is America. The director of the department said, we are prioritizing anti-racist arts instruction in our work. So they got rid of the acronym and VAPA, which is sort for visual and performing arts. From now on, they'll simply called SFUSD Arts Department. In a letter, he explains that acronyms are a symptom of white supremacy. <laughs> the use of so many acronyms within the educational field often tends to alienate those who may not speak English to understand the acronym. So, acronyms are racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, wow. That's why white people are quiet. What's the fucking point? Let you circle logic into a circle and maybe you'll just shut the fuck up. But with our This Is America, I doubt that will ever happen. Because this isn't a media anymore. This is the DNC's communication shop. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. I got the strap. Unlike you, I am not a progressive. I am not a liberal who's so afraid of the word that I had to change my name to progressive. I'm not either. Liberals amuse me. I am a socialist. I live to the extreme <laughs> left, right. the extreme left of you mere liberals, okay? However, I know this about my country. Liberals are 20% of the electorate. Conservatives are 41% of the electorate, okay? So I don't pretend that my views, which would ban all guns in America, make Medicare available to all in America, have any chance of happening. I wonder if you think fundamentally capitalism needs to change, and if you do, what the Biden administration plans to push for on that front. First of all, you're blowing my mind by taking me out of this very narrow, uh, very appropriately, this very narrow thing of like what's happening in the last five minutes, which is also important, but to this big picture that's so essential and in fact, at the core of the Biden presidency. When he talks about building back better, he's not talking about just getting back to where we were. He's talking about dealing with structural inequities, including, of course, systemic racism. That's yeah. at the core, and you heard him talk about it earlier this week. And that gets to the core of what you're saying. I don't think there's some sort of fundamental, you know, inherent problem with capitalism. I think the problem is that the structure... No, the, I think the structure... 
I think the problem is with the structure of the way uh, this system is implemented in, uh, in at this moment in time. That is, we have an economy that in normal times, and by the way, our package is trying to get us back to better than normal times sooner than later, generates enough wealth for there to be prosperity for all, yeah. uh, including the folks that have been left behind. But the policy architecture, the connective tissue between overall growth and the prosperity of those uh, in the middle class and, mm -hmm. and, and, and below has just eroded over the years because of such policy negligence that has yeah. favored and those at the top at the expense of those at the bottom. And that's what we've got to fix. And look, Jared, to your credit, you've written a lot about this. Let me quote you from just December. Quote, there is something foundational in the structure of economics that is too accepting about embedded racial injustice. The problem is that it's impossible to observe the empirical record of black economic outcomes and not conclude that the market failure is pervasive. For more than 50 years, black families have not gained the kind of wealth white families have. In fact, it is 10 times as much for white uh, Governor Reeves, do you agree with Senator Romney, who says we, a, a lot could be started if, we, if, if more Republicans would tell the truth about the election, that there was no fraud, it was won fair and square by Joe Biden, um, and that plenty of courts agree with that? Do you think perpetuating that has made this situation worse? Well, again, I haven't seen what Senator Romney has said, but what I will tell you is that I think people on both sides of the aisle need to recognize uh, that we have to talk to one another. We have to be honest with one another. We have to understand that we're going to disagree. There are mm -hmm. items that are exceptionally important and, and issues uh, that, that people feel very passionate about. But again, uh, we are all Americans. I believe that, that even some of those on the other side with whom I vehemently disagree, that they want what's best for America. And, and I think that we need to, to, to look at it from, those, from that perspective and try to find common ground. When we can't, we, we've got to keep, we got to fight for what we believe in. I understand that. But I think we have to, again, see the other side. Uh, and, and by the way, it's not just uh, Republicans who need to see the other side um, as, as in that light. Democrats have to do the same thing, and we have to uh, take a step back and, and focus on doing what's best for America. You, you believe President Biden won fair and square? I believe President Biden is our president. We have been in multiple uh, meetings with his uh, with people in his administration. I've been very outspoken that I hope that they will focus it, when it comes to vaccines, not on distribution. We got that in Mississippi. They need to focus on uh, making sure that, that we get more supply. Um, but he is certainly our president mm -hmm. and, and we're going to do everything in Mississippi to work with him. A lot of people will notice you did not agree with the state. You didn't say either way whether you thought he won fair and square. You do believe Do you believe the election was won fair and square by Joe Biden. There is no question that President Biden is our president. He, he, he won the states. Um, I will tell you that I am uh, adamantly opposed to some of the expansion of mail-in voting and things such as that. I don't think mm -hmm. uh, that some of the states who allowed for that, uh, I don't think that they should have. And, that, and, and, and the fact is that uh, I believe that it certainly opens things up for fraud. But the fact is that, that, that Biden won those states. He was certified in those states. He was certified um, by the Congress. And he is the president of the United States. All right, Governor Reeves, I will uh, leave it there. I uh, appreciate you coming on, as, as, I, as you have in the past, and for sharing your perspective with us. Uh, always good to see you. Thank you, Governor. Thanks, Chuck, for having me on.
But as you know, I mean, that fight is happening right now in cities like Chicago. We'll be talking to their superintendent later on in the program. And Michael Bloomberg, former presidential rival to, uh, to President Biden, argued in an op-ed this week that the president could be doing more. He could use his bully pul pul pulpit excuse me, to give political cover to fellow Democrats. He could tell the unions, yes, I understand uh, how we need to prioritize teachers here and actually take measures to do it. Why isn't the president doing more to help out some of these fellow Democrats? I think the president is doing a lot. He just uh, introduced a, a $1.9 trillion plan to make sure that it is a whole community but they approach need the help to, right now. They're uh, trying fighting to open schools Monday. vaccinations. I wonder if it would be helpful to you if the Biden administration explicitly said to prioritize teachers in the front of the line as essential workers. Yeah. So in Chicago and in Illinois, we are prioritizing teachers. They are included in 1B, which is currently underway. So you, why couldn't you move them to the front of 1B ahead of other essential workers with the supply you have now? Well, our city's health department is in charge of that. But what I've heard them say is that, look, the vaccine is a part of a public health uh, toolkit in order to mitigate the spread of COVID. Rule number one is that you have to uh, disseminate those vaccines in places where we're trying to stop the spread of COVID. School Senate Democrats are making plans to pass President Biden's sweeping $1.9 trillion COVID relief package with or without Republican support. A group of 10 GOP senators is proposing a much smaller measure and urging the president to follow through on his promise to work with Republicans. Weisha Zhang is at the White House with more on this part of the story. Weisha, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Gail. Late last night, those Republican senators announced they will be meeting with President Biden today here at the White House. They accepted his invitation after sending him a letter outlining their proposal. But Mr. Biden has already indicated he is not interested in signing a watered-down version of his own. With Republicans offering less than a third of what he proposed for his COVID relief bill, the president is signaling the time for bipartisanship is running out. But President Biden can get his plan through without any Republican support using a process called reconciliation, which would only require a simple majority in the Senate. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is confident Democrats would stick together. Today marks the first day of Black History Month, a time for celebration and education of African-American culture. Authors Ibram X. Kendi and Keisha Blaine are releasing a new book called 400 Souls, a Community History of African America, 1619 to 2019. Keisha Blaine is an historian and professor at the University of Pittsburgh. And CBS News contributor Ibram X. Kendi is the founding director of the Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research. They join us first on CBS this morning. Welcome to you both. Congratulations. Thank you so much for being here. Number one, I want to thank you both for having short chapters. It, <laughs> it was such a great read because you could zip through it very quickly. So I thank you for that. What do you want people to know? What, what should we remember and take from this month as we begin to honor and observe and celebrate? I'm going to hold up the book if you don't mind. Ibram X. Kendi and Keisha Blaine, we thank you both. 400 Souls goes on sale tomorrow, wherever you like to buy your book. John. President Biden is trying to get Republicans on board with this COVID relief deal, but how is he supposed to work with a party standing by the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene? Well, he probably can't. Uh, and 
That's for reasons that go beyond the fact that there is some uh, share of the Republican caucus that is literally crazy. For uh, a number of years, the Republican Party has positioned itself in opposition to the ways in which America is evolving in the 21st century. Hence, Donald Trump's throwback uh, uh, mantra was make America great again, go back to the way it used to be. So they've driven themselves into this cul-de-sac that is increasingly disconnected from facts and evidence and reason. And by virtue of the people who give them money and the people who give them votes, they have to uh, deny things or assert things that we know are not true, like tax cuts pay for themselves or climate change is a hoax. Uh, in that context, uh, it is not easy to find many people who are uh, still connected to real, genuine policy debates and willing to engage in them. And to the extent that there are those people, they usually lack the strength to stand up to the uh, demands of party loyalty. So uh, the Democrats and Joe Biden are pursuing negotiations uh, with a certain uh, group of eight Republican uh, senators right now, but they're not counting on that. And they're proceeding at the same time to move with uh, only Democratic votes if that's what they need to, because they know they can't count on Republicans to uh, uh, support the, the package in any way near the... Did you expect anything else? I mean, this is Obama's third term. And instead of actually covering 43 executive actions and the extremities, and what is in... That bill. I mean, what's in the bill? What is 1.9 trillion climate change and critical race shit? Nobody's talking about it. We're just going to promote it. Let's just get rid of capitalism. Tucker's been on a, a, a trend right now with populism. Because this can't just be Republicans. January, the highest month ever recorded for background checks. 4,317,804 guns. 2020, 30 9,695,315. To give a comparison, in 1998, there were 892,000 background checks. Then it jumped in 99 to 9 million. Then 8, 8, 8, 8. 2008, 11 million. 9, 12 million, 14, 16, 19, and 2012, 21, 20, 21, 27 million in 2018. Yeah, that's because the Dems are taking over. 25 in 2018, 19, 28, 2020, 39 million, 695,000. 500 or 315 background checks. What does that say? That isn't because of the capital. You could say January 
four million was because of capital. But as reported on this podcast, black women led the charge proportionally, since everything's proportionally now, for guns. Nobody will touch how Americans feel scared right now. And it isn't because a Viking guy. Another one from the Washington Post. Democrats loved using the filibuster. It's pathetic they now won't pledge to protect it. How many times have the Democrats blocked shit with the filibuster? But then every time they're in charge, what do they do? And they already did it. 50 to 49 to go forward with a $1.9 trillion stimulus package that nobody knows what's inside it. And I know it's on the heels of their true lords, the people they do care about. Twitter, by and lied, led by Democrats. Probably started by conservatives, but led by Democrats. That pushed them to go with that vote. But if all the people that I talked to that were conservative that voted for Trump, and they all said they wholeheartedly believed that 81 million votes was accurate and blah, 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 and it was mostly by people that couldn't tolerate Trump, well then, we're not talking about 75 million, right? Are we still good? Yeah. The computer made a noise. We're talking about 80 million people who aren't for this stuff. But yet I don't hear that. I don't hear it in the media. I don't hear it with the Never Trump movement, the anti-Trump movement. I mean, there's articles, all sorts of people are leaving the GOP because people challenged the election. And they are... No longer conservative over Trump. I sent it to a friend of mine who didn't even make a comment on it. Because I've been freezed out by everybody I argued with for about a month. But, you know, I expected that to happen. I, I just don't understand. Was my skit not a skit? I mean, I'm just an idiot in the basement, college, uneducated, dumbass, low-skilled, unemployed dude. But I do believe over the last four years, I said a lot of these people that are conservatives that hate Trump really weren't conservatives. They didn't want to They're basically liberals who are me. What do I mean? I'm conservative on most things. And yeah, I I literally hope conservatives get power because they protect my civil liberties. But I hate the party. And I really think a lot of these never-Trumpers, a lot of the anti-Trump conservatives that I talked with, I don't think they were really ever really super conservative. They were super moderate, slightly right of center. But they carried a lot of the liberal stuff. 
by that what they think's bad with conservatism and the GOP and blah, 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 blah. And they just don't want to claim the Democratic Party. But where are you at now? All the people I've argued with, everybody I've talked with, I don't get a single conversation about 43 executive actions. I mean, that man got to go on TV the other day and say, we are going to right the evil that was ripping kids out of their parents' arm. But we started the show with misinformation. Well, that's misinformation. Obama started that policy. Obama separated families. Obama put kids in cages. All the pictures you ever saw were from 2012. And then we go through this whole podcast about we're trying to deprogram these people. We're trying to get rid of these people, but it's okay for AOC to get on. I mean, I don't know anything about Majority Green. I played her on the last podcast to show how the media takes stories and lies. She did not assault Bush's people. They assaulted her verbally. But that's not how it was played out on MSNBC and CNN. It was her. But she's a scourge who believes conspiracy theories and needs to be clubbed like a baby seal. I think it was Ben Shapiro said pretty much the same thing I say about this subject. Yeah. But when are you going to tackle AOC? Omar. Tlaib. Pressler. The difference between Majority Green, who's a kook, and those people, you don't see this fucking nut job on TV. She doesn't have a platform. She's getting pushed off Twitter. They're talking about how there's a million articles that I didn't cover of how do we get her out of Congress. Chrysler, Bush, AOC, Tlaib. All those people are brought on TV and they have a platform every day to say we will never be peaceful until there's true peace. That was Priceler. We played it. That's my montage for violence. I mean, we put it up here. It's there. She's on TV. It's part of the montage. She's she's a good person. Nothing wrong with her. We don't need to get rid of her. And that's why I may look I side on the side of kooks. I side with the Capitol rioters. No, I don't. As every other conservative who has a podcast or whatever said what was wrong, it was all wrong. It was violence. It's not what we do. It's not what a free society does, blah, blah, blah. But when you pearl clutch over that and call it 9-11 and everybody who challenges an election needs to be voted out of office or used by the 14th Amendment, I didn't hear that about the summer of love. Where more cops got killed. 600 now injured. Citizens killed. $3 billion of damage. I never heard anybody say we need to vote those Democrats out of office. And then the violent rhetoric shit. We're still playing the violent rhetoric uh, about Trump who doesn't even have a platform. 
He's not allowed on any social media. But the Speaker of the House can go on and say the GOP is the enemy. And they build 8 foot, 10 foot fences because of the GOP. I think one of the failures I've had with the show is that on face value, I start with the primer, I end with the synopsis, and in the middle, it's what people see nowadays. It's what our media has trained, and that's the liberal media. Even for conservatives, they take a soundbite, and, oh, I'm not watching this, and they shut off the show. Because you're not catching the consistent theme. The theme is, I start with, this is what you're going to hear, I go through the whole show and show you that this is fucking disingenuous, intellectually dishonest, pearl-clutching bullshit perpetrated by a media who's on a huge misinformation kick and all their competitors need to be taken off the air when every fucking night on CNN and MSNBC, they are putting out lies. They are Fox. They're Fox. They're Newsmax. Their own. PBS, CBS, NBC, ABC. No media outlet is better or worse than any other. They all, by the fucking editorial omissions, are not putting out the full story. And shame on them. Shame on them. That's what this podcast is about. You, the normal person in the flyover, being called a racist white supremacist because you don't agree with Marxist policies. You don't agree that me using this heater that you're hearing humming is killing a black person. Because unlike those people saying it, I believe black people have electricity too. (laughs) Black people drive cars. Black people fly private jets. I'm a white supremacist Nazi because I don't believe our history started in 1619. I actually believe if I was a person that came from slave roots... I'd be pretty pissed at the black tribes that handed me over to the white people. That was a slave trade. But we never talk about that. We don't talk about the islands where African Africans held other blacks and sold them. I'm not a white supremacist because I don't believe in white privilege. I believe this is America. And if a guy like Jay-Z can go from selling crack to being a mogul. And Barack Obama, a guy who had a leg up on every white kid I grew up with, had a C average and got to go to fucking Ivy League schools and can become president of the United States on zero qualifications. I think it's a checkmate on this racist bullshit. 
Because unlike what they think I am, and hell, some of my conservative friends, I, I, I got to admit, he doesn't watch the show, but one of my fucking idols, boss in New York, I think he thinks I'm a fucking idiot. A fucking white supremacist who doesn't want to admit it, and I fucking was part of the insurrection because I don't believe in 81 million votes. I don't believe that number's real. I believe Biden's president, but I don't believe that's a real number. I just don't. For a guy in a basement. Say it every podcast. But those same people read the New York Times WAPA every day and take it like it's gospel. And this uneducated slob, insurrectionist, seditionist, actually researched all this shit and realized the whole concept wasn't about blacks. It wasn't about gays. It wasn't about saving the planet. It was about a political ideology that could shove on the entire world and win and get support and get power and then turn everything to the socialist Marxist bullshit that they want as governance. That's what they want. It was just a Trojan horse to push votes. That's it. That's the whole intersectionality in a nutshell. That's the Democratic Party and that's the media. We project violent rhetoric while we're doing violent rhetoric. And we project misinformation while we're doing misinformation over and over and over, five out of ten networks are doing it by omission. Not putting out the facts on police shooting. Not putting out the facts on what happened during the riots of the summer. Not putting out the facts it was more than just Trumpers of the Capitol. Not putting out the facts what's in the $1.9 trillion? The rest are outright inciting violence, pushing lies, and then pointing over to Fox. Look at those guys. And when you have a show that's based on media bias, well, goddamn, yeah, I'm going to scream and yell. I'm going to get angry about this shit, but because we need a free press. Our country and our form of governance only works when we know what they're doing behind closed doors. But in my adult life, from Reagan to Biden, whenever there's a D, we go to the new thing, which is we'll know what's in the bill when we vote for it or it's voted in. Nancy Pelosi Affordable Care Act. Every fucking thing she's passed since. And now we have a president of the United States. You'll know what my policies are when I get elected. And that's exactly what Biden's doing. We're going to pack courts. We're already dis- we're just dismissing the filibuster. And every goddamn thing at their freaking convention is now policy. 43 executive actions. 
43. It'll never be surpassed. It's not governance. Specifically, since you aren't using the filibuster and the opposing party has no power to stop you. But you're doing it because you know even the people that voted for you don't want it. And you have an ally in the media who won't publish what you're doing. I mean, those misinformation mongers would find out and say, oh, we're going to send a bunch of money to Pakistan for COVID relief. And that's exactly what we did. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. For the audio and video, go to foppodcast.com. For the purists, go to SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, all those other ones. Remember to check out the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. But if you want to send comments about the show, go to foppodcast.com. And on the bottom, you can send me a message, which is some of the things I just talked about, a few messages from people, what the show was about. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And tune in Sunday for another show. It should be about the same, but hopefully I'll lighten up a little more and be a little more animated because my back won't be in traction right now. That'll be kind of fun. As always, thanks for listening and take care.